the present moment The time it will allow For the bird to fly Right here, right now Right here, right now Welcome back to How to Tickle Yourself. It's season three, The Tickle of Consciousness. I'm your host, Duff McDonald, along with my co-host, Matt McButter. If you're still listening, we are happy that you're still here. If you're a new listener, welcome to the show. So this season is going to be a mix of what we did in the first two seasons, Uh, In season one, we did a lot of talking just between the two of us and some of our most important sources, Joey and Marguerite. And in season two, we did a lot of interviews. And this season, we're going to talk about some specific topics in each episode and interview someone who we think is the best guest to help us get through that stuff. But it's all going to be about the nature of consciousness and how we inhabit our own consciousness uh, as we go through our lives. So... What is consciousness? If you read Tickled, my recent book, I make the case that consciousness is the universe. Consciousness is infinite possibility. Consciousness is the crucible for everything. I wrote the following in that book. You are not your body, nor are you the swarm of thoughts that make up your identity at any given time. What you are is the crucible for those thoughts. Consciousness itself. You are the creative force behind your own existence. When you get trapped in your ego, the knot that ties your consciousness to your body and your mind, you get stuck in what Eastern philosophers will tell you is the gross or least subtle plane of your existence. That's what makes us feel limited, what confuses us into thinking that we are bound by time and space when they, in fact, are mere concepts and they have tricked us into thinking that they are reality itself. So, what does that mean? There's a poet saint named Yanishwar, and he defined consciousness as the following. It's the eternal background on which the picture of all things is imprinted. Right? Think of life as a play, right? Or a movie. It's taking place on a screen. Consciousness is the screen, right? Without it, there is nothing, right? And all of yoga is basically an attempt to get a hold of what Sri Aurobindo calls the secret machinery of the movements of your own consciousness, right? So think about driving a car. Some of us think we're good drivers. Some of us are good drivers. Some of us aren't good drivers. But you can tell if someone's a good driver. And, and part of that is that they have a facility and a smoothness in how they control the car. Yoga is about controlling your own existence, and getting your hands on the levers of that existence. So before we get into the discussion today, to take it further, Matt and I are going to talk about a little, some differing views of consciousness. I just have another couple of thoughts, right? You, the person who you think you are, is not who you really are, right? The person who you think you are is but the manifestation of the choices that the self has made, right? So the, your sense of identity, that's just what happened. What you are is the crucible for that happening. 
right? If you get stuck on the level of manifestation, that'll be who you think you are. But if you can reside one level up at possibility, then you can realize that you are the existence itself in which all of this takes place. It's a subtle difference. But I talked about this last season with respect to kombucha. The beauty of kombucha is not the flavor that you choose. It's that it can be any flavor you want it to be, right? It's possibility itself. That's why making kombucha is so fun. Because even though you end up making different flavors, there's a moment when you're deciding what the flavor is where you realize this can be any flavor we want it to be. And that is what consciousness itself is and your life is. In any particular situation, you can decide what you're going to do. Anything is possible, you know, within some constraints, but you can make spontaneous decisions about what you're going to do next. Mm, okay. <laughs> right? You with me? I'm with you a little bit. I'm with you a little bit. I just want to say I, I, ag- I agree with so much of that in, in terms of that definition of consciousness being useful tools for happiness and for living and for, you know, for, for having a certain type of, you know, what you want to call consciousness or being in this cockpit of, of, of your life or whatever. And I, I'm totally down with all that. I do have, you know, slightly different questions as you might expect about, about consciousness and even a different kind of frame of reference about it. I mean, I, I, I love this, doing this season because I think it's not so easy to define consciousness. It, it really is not. And, um, or if it was, you know, we wouldn't do an entire season about it. We could probably just do, you know, probably just, Five you could minutes. look up. We're done. Yeah, you, season three yeah, is over. Sure. I Googled it. Consciousness <laughs> is, you know, this, here's the definition, but you know, it, in its most simplest terms, I mean, if you do look at, if you do look it up in, in the dictionary, if you do want to Google it, it's usually equated to awareness would be the close, closest synonym, right? Is having some kind of awareness. And, you know, that I, th- I look at that awareness either being, you know, it could be individual awareness or collective awareness of, you know, of, of a community um, or, a, or, you know, society or any kind of group. But I also think of animals as having consciousness as well. Like, I think they have a certain kind of, of, of awareness. And I think it's really any kind of awareness that occurs within some kind of processing unit. Or, which, or you know, a, a sentient being. A sentient, a sentient being. Well, yeah, or, or a brain, it does it, but a, a sentient being, like, I'm not going to rule out the fact that uh, a machine or an AI uh, will one day acquire essentially what, what my definition of consciousness anyway, um, you know, that could be across one being or, or a number of beings. It could be across some kind of neural network or something like that. On that note, we are going to talk to a bunch of people this season about how they have learn to inhabit their own consciousness and what they think of stuff like this, like AI, uh, science and technology, art, writing, everything. We're going to talk to them about how they express their own understanding and the nature of their own consciousness. And what we hope that will do is open up some possibilities in your own mind about how you can grasp your own consciousness. Because here's the one thing We'll agree on this, even if we don't agree on all sorts of stuff. No one else can do it for you. No one else can make you aware of something. They can try, right? They can say something to you, but you are not going to be fully conscious or fully aware of something until you figure out how to do it yourself. 
That expertise, one of our favorite words, has to come from you, not someone else. (laughs) A better way to put it is that you have to specialize in you, in your own consciousness. And if you can figure out how to do that, then you will discover the nature of your own reality, just like Sturgill Simpson did. I've seen Jesus play with flames in the lake of fire. I was standing here. Met the devil in Seattle. Spent nine months inside the lion's den. Met Booty yet another time. He showed me a glowing light within. But I swear that God is there Every time I go to the eyes of my best friend All right, we're back. I was gonna, it seemed appropriate to play a Bob Dylan clip for the first episode of season three, because why not? I've also seen him twice in the last four days. But you know what's interesting? I went to his website and the greatest songwriter in history a man who has plumbed the depths of consciousness almost as a calling, has never found a reason to say the word consciousness in a single one of his songs. Not even subconsciously. Not even subconsciously. (laughs) So we went with Sturgill Simpson, who is also one of the greatest. We love you, Sturgill. Back to where we were. I got something I want to read you, Matt. This is from... A guy named Eknath Iswaran, who's written some very popular commentaries on some Eastern stuff. And this one comes from his commentary in the Bhagavad Gita, but it's not about that. It's really straightforward. He's talking about adventurers like George Mallory, who climbed Everest. And he says, yet there are always a few who are not content to spend their lives indoors. Simply knowing that there is something unknown beyond their reach makes them acutely restless. They have to see what lies outside, if only, as George Mallory said of Everest, because it's there. This is true of adventurers of every kind, but especially of those who seek to explore not mountains or jungles, but consciousness itself, whose real drive, we might say, is not so much to know the unknown as to know the knower. Such men and women can be found in every age and every culture, while the rest of us stay put They quietly slip out to see what lies beyond. And this world, they insist, is where we belong. This wider field of consciousness is our native land. We are not cabin dwellers born to a life cramped and confined. We are meant to explore, to seek, to push the limits of our potential as human beings. The world of the senses is just a base camp. We are meant to be as much at home in consciousness as in the world of physical reality. And I think what he's saying there is that when you open your eyes, you see the world, right? You, and we, th- we tend to think it's outside of us, but it's all a representation in, inside of consciousness. So if you want to get where all the good stuff is, go to the source, the thing that creates everything, and get more in touch with it. So get in touch with your own consciousness, which contains all. What do you think of that? Yeah, I think it it contains all that you 
are capable of, I, I, I get it. I mean, I, we talked about this so much in season one. I get it. I get that, right? It's all, it contains all that is able for you, who is the observer of this or the, the liver uh, of life, <laughs> um, <laughs> the, you know, the observer, whatever you want to call it, it contains all that you are able to interpret because you are the interpreter. So anything that you're looking at on the outside has to kind of ultimately be run through this processing machine on the inside. But I'm also interested in, you know, in uh, some of these metaphysical questions around like, well, what, what, what happens outside of your, of your consciousness, or let's say human beings, right? A higher, a higher intelligence of any type never evolved on planet earth. Would you say that there was no consciousness? Like, would you say, let's say the farthest they got along is some mammal or dinosaurs. Let's say dinosaurs were the end. And that big rock that hit the earth, whatever, 68 million years ago, exploded the planet and fragmented it. And the earth was gone. Would you say that there was never any consciousness because you didn't exist and because humans didn't exist? No, I would say that. Okay. So the yogis will tell you that there is God who is the big self. And then there is every sentient being, which is like a individual manifestation of consciousness. So your subjective view of consciousness is taking place in the larger consciousness, right? What they say is that the entire universe is consciousness. Yours is a subjective experience of it, as is mine. What, what they'll tell you, and I agree with, is that everything is consciousness because nothing can exist without something to perceive it. Right. Yeah. 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 I, I, I get that. That's almost a paradoxical view though. Right. I mean, let's say there was never any sentient being ever that ever it like, let's say that the, this universe would have existed potentially, but let's say it never got past the plants or the, you know, the, even the like protozoa, the little tiny single celled organisms, which you can't say have any level of aware, like self-awareness or anything really. I guess there's some level of awareness of their, their environments as they're, you know, whipping their flagellum around or flagellum or whatever it's called, the little, that little arm or their cilia or moving them around inside the water. And it's like, and that's as far, and then the, the, and then the asteroid hit and that's as far as life ever went, blew up the earth. And it's like, okay, well that big, that big uh, consciousness or whatever you're calling it, the large consciousness still existed, but there was never any small consciousness that never happened. Not entirely true because anything in the manifestation is an appearance in that consciousness, right? So anything, whether it's a rock, a tree, or you. So does it have to be <laughs> sentient of itself? Not necessarily. They're all still an appearance in consciousness. Wait, sorry, let me back up here. Swami Muktananda, the Siddha Yoga uh, guru, he says the following, and this sort of gets at that. When the attributeless, formless, changeless reality, which underlies the entire universe and which is the pure, ultimate consciousness, is stirred up, the divine energy begins to operate in it. She is the power of becoming released out of the eternal being, expressing herself through all names, all forms, and all changes that we call the world. Indeed, she is the most magnificent power. Sri Kundalini Shakti, it's Shakti, of the supreme reality. So that consciousness is 
what is creating everything that you're talking about. It can't exist otherwise, right? Nothing exists without consciousness at all. Yeah, I feel like that's a little bit of a semantic understanding of it that, you know, it's a perspective that you can take on 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 what it is and what it's going on. I don't think it's uh, some universal truth that's beyond reproach or argument. All right. So let's talk about materialism because we talked about this before. And I was saying I was predicting that you were going to go the materialism side, that consciousness is an epiphenomenon of like the human being. Right. Or, yeah, you know, some lesser form. Um, do you believe that? I do. Yeah, pretty much. I think that the consciousness, as I sort of define it, really is. Yeah, it's this this awareness probably resulted as you know, from, from symbolic thought, we're able, our brains were able to, you know, like our even early brains were able to develop this concept of a symbol, right? What a symbol is. And at one point, one of the symbols that it developed was the symbol of the self, right? It was like, oh, this concept of a self. You think of early, very early human beings or, you know, Australopithecus or some like early kind of caveman, um, homo hominid or something like that, starting to first develop the neocortex and that neocortex is like looking at different things and starting to even kind of label them and develop some importance around them in this neural network of the brain and say, you know, water, food, buffalo, what these different things are, rock. And then one of those things is actually self. And as we started to develop language and external representation and all of these other very detailed tools for understanding these symbols, pretty soon this thing called the self and even this thing called consciousness start to take form and start to become something in the conscious mind of that observer. That's kind of what I, how I think of consciousness. I guess it's a materialist view. So the, the yogis will tell you that the mind is confusion. It is the ego, the sense that you are separate, like that's a mistaken understanding seen through the mirror of consciousness, right? So the self is mirrored inside you. The mind confuses itself into thinking that it is something separate. And that's sure. how we end up thinking that we're all different as yeah. opposed to all part of one thing. Yeah. And I, I, I can get that too, even from a biological understanding of, you know, you look at, at the earth could be conceived of as, as one organism, easily. Right. right? Or, right. or you could look at, you know, people think of their body as their self, like it just because it's got their brain, but your body would not be able to function without the millions of bacteria that are actually living on top of your body and as part of your body. So even the self, that one sort of single, what you would call an organism is actually this complex symbiote or right. symbiotic thing. And the boundaries don't even end it at your skin or whatever, right? Yeah. As we see from viruses and stuff, right? Your mm-hmm. existence is influenced by the things around the body, yeah. not just in the body. Yeah. And even the social cohesion that's required, like your community is required. Like no human can live a completely solitary existence. No animal no plant, nothing can actually live on its own. You have to live within an ecosystem and a, and a social system and a family system and all these different groups. And those are all, again, going back to, these are all like symbols, symbolic thought that is going on in your brain when you're trying to understand the universe around you as a, you know, as a, as a human being. 
Okay, so think of this. Last year, I was saying to Joey, I had this idea. I was like, what if we're talking about mirroring, right? And how your reaction to anyone is really just something inside of you. All your stuff is mirroring. And I was like, what if... What if this is a Twilight Zone episode or like the Truman Show and you and you are the only thing that is real? Yeah. And everyone else is just there to help you with your evolution, with your spiritual evolution, give you opportunities to figure out the right thing to do. Yeah, I, 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 I've thought that. I even thought that a little bit as I was a kid. I remember thinking, <laughs> like as a, you know, probably as like a teenager, I remember s- sitting there driving around in the car with my dad. And I remember thinking, I wonder if I'm the only person, and this is all basically, I guess I was thinking it was a simulation. And, and I, the other thing I was thinking, I was like, when I close my eyes, I wonder if everything actually disappears. Like it's only there when I open my eyes because... That would be the only efficient use of that whatever this is that's running this whole thing. Okay. <laughs> because when my when my eyes are open, it would be a waste for it to be there. Of I, I guess I mean I was even now thinking back, that would be like processing power. Whatever computer is running this universe simulation would be uh, obviously if it was well written. Like if the code was well written, it wouldn't it wouldn't waste time rendering the universe while my eyes were closed. <laughs> okay, so on that point. And we yeah. will probably leave, <laughs> leave people off here so they get some relief. <laughs> the computer you're talking about is called God, which is called the possibility machine. It sure, is you, thing can that, give it, you can name it that. Right. So right? it can yeah. accommodate <laughs> any choice that you make. The universe will not dissolve if you do decide to do something different than you were doing a moment ago. So that code can adjust to all possible choices that you can make. And that code is also consciousness. It is the screen on which all of this takes place. I was reading a book this morning by a guy named Ramesh uh, Balsakar. It's called A Duet of One, basically making the Twilight Zone point. Mm. And he's talking about what we experience. And he says, consciousness writes the script. Consciousness produces and directs the play. Consciousness plays every role in the play. And finally, consciousness itself witnesses the play. It is all an appearance in consciousness. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, 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 I do like that, that view of consciousness. And I, I had a conversation once with, uh, with my friend Kat Lantane, who we had on the show uh, in, ep- in episode two. Kat is, is amazing and so fun to talk to. And she was telling me about one of her dreams. And I remember telling her, you realize there was, you know, something that somebody said to her in one of her dreams. And I was like, do you realize that every, every person that you've ever talked to or encountered in a dream is actually your own consciousness, right? Or your subconscious or whatever is actually generating and kind of visibly saw her head explode a little bit. I think she'd never quite contemplated that before. It is pretty amazing. In the movie Inception, they actually, they kind of deal with that a little bit because it all takes place in the dream world. And they call them projections. They're projections of your subconscious. But what the Vedantists will tell you is that the confusion that we have is that when you are awake and you think there's something more fundamental about your experience when you're awake, it's simply the the arising of the ego. Everything is still an appearance in consciousness when you're awake. True. Yeah, right? true. Yeah, I get that. Except for I do have still a little bit of a faith in materialism that, 
sure, that's the way that me as an individual or whatever, as a brain, my, my processing unit is recreating reality constantly through what my eyes, through the senses, right? What my eyes see, what my ears hear, what I touch, um, you know, and that is recreating the external universe inside of my brain. I totally get that, but I still feel that it exists outside of my brain as well. That's all right. Like yeah. that there is an external universe that there is an external universe and you can call it God. You can call it God created. You can call it the cosmic consciousness or, or, or whatever. But I, I do think that those are all models and those are all ways of understanding it, whether it's the yogis or, you know, Stephen Hawking. I think those are just, they're different models and they're different ways of representing it and describing it that are, have different utility to different people. And it all kind of comes down to your point of view and what resonates with you as a model that makes it useful for you to understand it. There's, you know, different theistic models as well, different, different gods, different views of creation, different creation myths. And, you know, people can all kind of argue which one is true, which one's right. My way's right. But in my view, I've always been a little bit kind of agnostic to all of those. And I'm like, well, they're all, they all have their kind of merits and they're all true. In a way, I mean, if they work for you, I, I think if you try to, they're all, they'll have some level of truth to those individuals who are recreating the reality in that, in that way, in that image. So on which note, I've got one for you. All right. So you're talking about basically one's own point of view and one's own context. It depends, right? So let's talk about the word bailiwick. Oh, I like it. Yeah. So bailiwick basically means, or a general definition is your sphere of influence, <laughs> right? It's in your own bailiwick. But it comes from bailiff, right? Who was the sheriff yeah. collecting fines and wick is your area of influence. So a bailiwick was the region in which the sheriff was allowed to collect fines from people, where he could basically extort money from people. So your bailiwick derives from what used to be where you were allowed to just go around and take money from the people in the region. Oh, cool. interesting. So yeah, Seamus Cork isn't in your bailiwick. I can't do right. your accent. <laughs> <laughs> And Seamus, yeah, I don't even know, is, is that an Irish name or a Scottish name? <laughs> anyway, yeah, that's, a, okay, full points for that one. That is, that's the, that's the essence of, of an I've got one for you. I love it. Bailiwick, I, people like to bust that out sometimes as a right. buzzword. In, in they don't even know too, what it right? means. <laughs> So we're back with everybody's favorite segment of this podcast of all time. What would Joey do? Welcome back, Joey, to season three, The Tickle of Consciousness. Thank you, Duff. I'm happy to be here. So this is episode one where Matt and I are hashing out a little bit about what we think about consciousness, what is consciousness, and how to inhabit one's own. I'm of the opinion that consciousness is everything. Uh, Matt doesn't quite disagree. He said something to the effect of he thinks that's a good model, an interesting model. What is consciousness to you? Uh, <laughs> just going to jump in. Huh? Um, well, I think 
there's a difference between what I first thought of consciousness and what I think of consciousness now. So I used to think of consciousness as awareness. And so it's uh, my, my sense of being and being awake and thinking, that sort of thing. And now I think that I'm on your side thinking that consciousness is everything. It's sort of the unifying energy of the universe, but it goes, I think, even beyond energy. And I think awareness is that consciousness sort of contracted into this particular being and this particular portion of now. As opposed to the other portions of now. (laughs) All the rest. There's way more. (laughs) So... Does consciousness evolve? I think consciousness just is. I think there are individual um, sort of manifestations of consciousness that evolve. I think there's evolution, but I think consciousness is kind of everything that has evolved and could evolve and is evolving. So I think consciousness doesn't necessarily evolve, but the manifestation within it does. You sound like Alex Aliumi, who's (laughs) talking about everything that was, is, or could be. That might all be the same thing. Has my consciousness evolved? <laughs> your awareness, sure, it certainly has. <laughs> and your awareness is aware that my awareness is evolving. Exactly. Yeah. So when we talk to the guests for the rest of the season, they're going to be writers, painters, yoga teachers, scientists. Uh, what do you think the best or most interesting thing to ask them about consciousness should be? I think just where you started with me is, uh, what is it? (laughs) What do you think it is? (laughs) What the hell is going on and what the heck should I do? (laughs) It's not a problem, really. I think it's just life, right? All right. So thank you, Jogi. We will try to reach out to you as often as we can this season. Thanks for joining us again. And now we know what Jogi would do. I'll see you soon. Cheers. Okay, we're back. We're going to end this episode the way I'm going to end every episode this season, or most of them, by talking about something that Sri Aurobindo wrote. He is my guy these days. He wrote, or he was developed something called the Integral Yoga, which is a synthesis of various branches of yoga, yoga of works, yoga of devotion, yoga of knowledge, trying to get you centralized in your own existence, right? The whole idea of yoga is to center yourself so that there's coherence to who you are. And this one may sound to some people a little godlike, but it's not, as Matt says, it's not really about uh, what a lot of people think of as God. It's about what is. When one has the cosmic consciousness, one can feel the cosmic self as one's own self. One can feel one with other beings in the cosmos One can feel all the forces of nature as moving in oneself, all selves as one's own self. There is no why except that it is so, since all is the one. What do you think of that, Matt? I like it. It's interesting. Like I said, it's a great model. Right? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) All right. Thanks for listening. We will see you again next week with episode two of season three with our first interviewee of the season. Do we tell them who it is or do we make them wait? I think we should make them wait. Yeah. All right. So we'll <laughs> see you when we see you. Thanks for listening. Bye-bye. 
at the present moment Traveling town to town The mystery of the motion Right here, right now Right here, right now Whoa, right here, right now You've been listening to How to Tickle Yourself with your hosts, Duff McDonald and Matt McButter. You can help us by liking, subscribing, and sharing this podcast with others. You can talk to us and see what else is happening on Instagram and Facebook at How to Tickle Yourself. This program was recorded in Studio B of the historic Rockledge Recording Studio and the Tunnel Under Arundel. Right here, right now, our original 16-part theme music was written and recorded by the legendary Paul Reddick and Kyle Ferguson of the Sidemen with the brilliant Steve Mariner on bass and drums and in the mixing room. The podcast is produced and distributed by Storic Media. Our editor is Andrew Steiner. Our coordinator is Samantha Abramovitz. Our producers are Kristen Verbitsky and Chuck LaBella. For more information, visit storicmedia.com. That's S-T-O-R-I-C media.com. My love, my dear...